I'm gonna show you that I'm having fun. And so like Puka make a play. I'm like, yeah, Puka, yeah, Puka, this Puka. <laughs> this Puka. I'm like, all right, I'm like, all right, bet. I'm gonna leave you alone then. <laughs> Yo, yo, welcome to RG3 and the Ones, a Wave Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Robert Griffin III, and on this show, we are talking to the Ones. I mean, the Ones at the top of their industry in sports and entertainment who don't just know how to get it done, but also study the way to get it done. And we're not just talking to the ones, we're talking about the ones, the topics that you want to hear about. And we hope that by the end of this episode, you can take something from this one that'll help you become the one in your life as well. So who am I? Well, I'm only the one that took a picture of Lamar Jackson and made him the Jackson Five after his five touchdown performance that helped him solidify the MVP. But let me digress. We'll talk about that a little bit later. First, I need you guys to understand that we need you to like and subscribe to our YouTube page. We're going to have episodes dropping for you every single Thursday with so much knowledge in them that you're going to want to be ready every single week. If you follow us on social media at RG3 and the ones, you'll be obliterated. I don't even know if that's a word, but you're going to get a whole lot of clips of every single episode leading up to the Thursdays when those episodes will drop. But we want you to make sure you follow us again on, on social media at RG3 and the ones so you can be prepared to receive all this game. Now, coming up on this episode, I'm not going to talk to one, but two great running backs. But first, I'm going to kick it off with the one who is the all time rushing touchdown leader at Michigan. Let me say that again. All time leader in rushing touchdowns at Michigan. The one and only Blake Corum. Welcome to the show, brother. Appreciate you for having me, man. Now, I got to make a couple bold statements here. So, first of all, last year, uh, you got hurt against Illinois. Mm -hmm. And I believe that if you don't get hurt, not only do you win the Heisman Trophy, but you guys also go on to win the national championship. Talk to me a little bit about that process of going through that injury and missing the last part of last season and how that geared you up to get ready to go this year. Oh, man, it was a journey. It was a journey because, you know, I've been playing ball since six uh, and I never had like a setback like that one. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you dream of the Heisman. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, I felt like I was right there. But it, it wasn't even about the Heisman. It was more so about the national championship. And it sucked, you know, and it put me in a little bit of a, a deep spot, deep spot where I had to, you know, find myself. Um, but it made me a better man, better person. So I'm definitely thankful for the journey that God put me on. And look where we're at now, you know what I'm saying? We're back where, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be, you know, getting ready, for, getting ready for Monday, getting ready for that national championship. Yeah. And, and just talk to me a little bit about what what helped get you out of that that dark spot and help you find um, who you are and who you wanted to be uh, through the midst of that that turmoil. Yeah, it was really my family, you know, my my inner circle, my family, my girlfriend, you know, my mom, dad, they helped me a lot. My sister's. Um, and it was really just that one-on-one -on -one time with me and God. You know, I talked to him a lot um, just to help me, you know, figure some things out. And, uh, you know, he answered, you know, and, uh, you know, when you, when you call for him, he'll, he'll answer your prayers. And uh, he did that for sure. And uh, like I said, you know, I don't like to say I'm glad I got hurt, but it definitely, <laughs> you know, gave me a better perspective and helped me grow as uh, as a man. Uh, not even a football player, but just as a man. No, I can I can certainly speak to that. I, I didn't love football until I got hurt after my freshman year in college. 
Uh, and sometimes when when something's taken away from you, it can can make you love it more or truly understand the the passion that you have for it. Would you say that the injury was was maybe one of the only reasons you decided to come back? Yeah, it was definitely one of the not there were many reasons, but was that the main one? One hundred percent, just because I love I love Michigan. I love the University of Michigan, you know. I hope they love me. Uh, uh, <laughs> they love you. Know, I, I couldn't. I couldn't go out like that. You know, I didn't want any, everyone to remember. You know, the last play of me in the big house. You know, just going down. You know, so I would definitely say that was the biggest thing in, in me coming back uh, for another year was definitely being injured and how I wanted everyone to to look at me. You know. Yeah, how how they look at you coming out of college and and of course coming off of an injury going to the draft is is no one's ideal path, but. Right. What you've been able to put together this season has been nothing short of incredible. You know, becoming the first player since Denard Robinson to have consecutive thousand-yard seasons there at Michigan certainly speaks to that. But I want to know what was really going through your mind when you guys were down twenty to thirteen there in the fourth quarter against Alabama uh, in the college football semifinal. What's going through your mind in that moment? A playmaker got to make a play, you know. And you know, I tell coach, you know. Uh, in a situation like that, I want the ball, you know, just like any any playmaker would. You know, I wanted the ball, and I was fortunate enough right. that, you know, coach, uh, coach was able to, to do that for me. But, uh, you know, I would say something about my team. Like, we were so calm, cool, and collected the whole game. Like, you know, Alabama thought they had us on our heels, um, right. which, which they did. You know, they had the momentum. You know, we were playing a little bit of sloppy ball on special teams, and we made some mistakes, but no one ever panicked. You know, no one ever panicked. No one ever thought we were going to lose. And I think that's just because of the culture we have here and how close we are as brothers. And we know we have each other's back. But, you know, going, breaking, going down to that situation, you know, we knew we had one more drive to, to make some shake. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted the ball. And I'm thankful that he was able to get it to me. No, he definitely got it to you. And, you know, after the game, I heard you talking to Holly Rowe um, in, in your post-game uh, on-field interview. And you talked about how, you told you guys, if we score this touchdown to, to go into overtime, we're going to win this game. Uh, just what what inspired you to to feel that way and to echo that to your teammates? Yeah, uh, I, I knew if we just had the opportunity to go into overtime, that, that was going to be it. Just because I know how much work we put in and I knew we were going right. to carry over that momentum. You know, momentum plays a big role. And I feel like if we, once we score, because Alabama, I think, thought they had the game won. Uh, just right. because they were shutting us out a little bit. Um, we didn't really have too many good drives. and uh, But I knew as soon as we got the momentum back and we carried it on over to overtime, you know, that, that was uh, going to be all she wrote. And uh, it just happened to play out like that. And, um, you know, the team believed and uh, we came out victorious. Yeah, I mean, they believed in you. They believed in your ability. And when you look at, you know, the last, you know, drive there in overtime, you guys go down, you score. Uh, and you're sitting there on the sideline, like what's going through your mind in that situation, watching your defense go out there and try to win this game to send you guys to the national championship? So Alabama won the coin toss, um, and they, they gave us the ball. And I knew if we just score, like <laughs> our, we, had the best, we had the best defense in the nation. You know what I'm saying? that Our, our front seven, you know, our secondary, you know, they're, they're unreal. I mean, we, we got to the quarterback mm -hmm. six times. Um, I, I knew they were going to be able to build a wall. And, and go four and out. And um, right. so as soon as we scored, I'm like, come on, defense. And, and I, I wasn't worried. <laughs> I wasn't worried just because I knew they were going to come through. They they have all game. 
And like I said, like I believe in my defense. Like I believe there's no other defense in college football as good as ours. And um, I believe that's true. So, uh, you know, I had all the belief in them. I, I knew the game was over. I knew it was over, even though it wasn't. Okay, I like that. So you're sitting there on on the fourth down play, uh, and obviously we know the result. Jalen Milrow snaps a little low, doesn't get a chance to to follow his guard there. Uh, but they built that wall. Mm-hmm. Would you have called that play as the last play of the game? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think. Uh, I feel like in our arsenal, I think we would have had a little bit of a better play call. Um, but here, uh, Coach Saban. Uh, say, you know, that's what they believed was going to work. And, um, right. you know, maybe if we didn't build a wall, it was going to work. I did see a little hole, but uh, our defensive end drove their tackle. Uh, their their tackle, their right tackle basically made the tackle. Um, and that's a shout out to our defense. But uh, I would have came up with a little, little something different. I don't know exactly what I would have done, but uh, it probably wouldn't have been that. Yeah, a little more creative, little maybe more not creative. trying to run at that front like that. Correct. I mean, we had on that. stout front, so I... I'd have done a little something. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you look at this, you talked about Coach Saban. When you look at it from your coach's perspective, Coach Harbaugh, like in those really defining moments of a game, like how is he? What's his temperament on the sideline? Coach Harbaugh is like calm. You know, he doesn't get high, he doesn't get low. He's kind of just like, you know, somewhere right in the middle. You know, he doesn't scream yeah. and yell because uh, there's no point. You know what I'm saying? There's no point right. in screaming and yelling whether a player makes a mistake or someone does good. You know, there's a long there's a long game ahead. And so, uh, you know, Coach Harbaugh, he's always just like calm, cool, and collected. And so in a, in a moment like that, like I, I believe he had all the belief in the defense as well. So he was just waiting, waiting on the stop and uh, for them to meet in the middle and shake hands. That has to be one of the best feelings as a coach. You know, uh, I've never been a coach, you know. I plan on coaching high school one day. I don't really want to go to the college level. But, uh, you know, going to the middle of the field and uh, shaking the other coach's hand has to be one of the best feelings after you win, and, um, especially against a great coach like Coach Saban. So, uh, you know, but Coach Harbaugh is always calm, cool, you know, and, and collected at all times. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. I was obviously recruited, uh, and I say obviously because we've talked before, and I came to see you guys last yeah. year uh, practice um, there early in the season and kind of got a glimpse of, like, wow, this team's going to be really, really great. Uh but when you guys lost last year to TCU, there's this picture of JJ standing on the field while all the confetti's falling. And I, I, you know, put some text over and put a tweet out and said, JJ and the Wolverines will be back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people laugh. Ha ha. No, it's not going to happen. They, they squandered their opportunity. But I just knew because I had a feeling that you were coming back and, and JJ was going to still be there and coach the way that you guys built that program made me believe that you guys would certainly get back. So I kind of predicted that you guys would be uh, in the final this year. And I had a lot of people, uh, you know, doubted us. But uh, yes, they did. I salute you for uh, being a real. Hey, listen, got it. Always going to stand 10 toes down for you guys. And and I actually predicted that you guys would beat Bama on selection day. So when the selection day happened and everyone's reacting to all the the games and who's going to be where, what, when, how, I uh, picked you guys to beat Bama uh, just because I felt like you were the better team. And, and part of, a big part of that was obviously you. And when I when I think about it, I, I look back to last year and all the numbers that you were putting up and, and how I talked about your McThickums, McThickums. right? Now, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know what McThickums are, I'm talking about these big old legs. Right, right. right? right. And you have always been 
like a speed back. I think you came out when you were a freshman, you were already running four, four. Mm -hmm. how, how did you take on the weight room since you got to college to build yourself into who you've become? Just attacked it, attacked it to the point where like the strength coaches told me to like chill, you know, like I always had like this super high work ethic, like no one's right. going to outwork me, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to be last one in, last one out. And it came to a point where like the coaches literally told me like, you know, more isn't always better. And, right. uh, you know, so I've learned that along the journey a little bit, but I still like to attack about, you know, the way I eat, you know, and the way I attack the weights, like that's, that's what, uh, got me these McThickums, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, just always, you know, in the squat rack, you know, different types of lifts and stuff, but, uh, just, you know, putting in the extra work, you know, we do right. play, we play big 10 ball, you know what I'm saying? And we go against the best defenses, big stout, corn fed, you know, you name it. Um, you know, so I, I needed to put on a little, little, little something, you know what I'm saying? And I was able I to feel you, I feel you, it's, yeah. uh, it's paid off for sure. No, it's definitely paid off. And, and you know, it's one of those things If you still have, I believe you still have the, the long home run ability, but you've built so much strength now. Um, you already have the natural advantage of being the low man. And mm -hmm. they always say low man wins. And we've seen a lot of dynamic running backs uh, at your size go out there and make it happen but you have the strength to hold up to where if they give you 35 carries, you can handle it. Yeah. Um, when you look at your relationship with JJ, some games they need you to be the end-all be-all. Some games they need him to be the end-all be-all. How has y'all's relationship matured over the years and just understanding like at the end of the day, it's just about winning football games. And that's exactly how we both look at it. And that's how the team looks at it. Like it doesn't matter, you know, whether I run for 200, or JJ throws for a hundred or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. how can we win? You know, cause right. when, when we win, everyone, you know, eats. And, uh, that's, that's all that matters at the end of the day. That's all that matters, you know, in this program is winning. It's not about stats. It's not about, you know, uh, the extra, you know, the, the awards, you know, it's not about yep. anything like that. It's really just about winning. And when, when you can do that, when you have a team that will actually buy into that, Right. Um, you end up where we're at right now. And a lot, a lot of teams, you know, have, you know, selfish players where like coach, like I need the ball 30, 30 times a game. Like, <laughs> win or lose. Like I need it. Like I need the stats and I need the awards. Like it's none of that here at Michigan. You know, we, we all buy in, we all want to win because we know what's good for the B is good for the high. As Coach Harbaugh says, and what's good for the hive is good for the beat. I like that. That's that's a really good time to write that one down. I'm going to have to use that one. <laughs> no, it's I, – I noticed that when I came and visited you guys. You you guys are – there's a focus on work, right? You're going to put your hard hat on every single day. You're going to come and you're going to do it. But you also got – you guys also have fun. And and I got to experience that. I did a little throw in competition with the QBs. Of course, there was different guys there at the time, but JJ was there. Alex Orgy was there. And – it makes me want to ask you what's like your funnest moment or funnest memory that you have with Coach Harbaugh or your 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 position coaches. Uh, the most funnest moment, I mean, after the game Saturday, that was the most fun. But in terms of not <laughs> not playing football, I mean, we always have a good time. Whether it be in meetings, we're always laughing, cracking jokes, telling stories. Uh, something I like to do with the quarterbacks, and it might have been the game you played, but on Thursdays, uh, the quarterbacks. Uh, a couple of running backs uh, we're doing, during the special teams period. We hit the field goal post. So I will say, you know, I've been the champion a couple of times. Um, but, uh, 
you know, that, that's one of the most fun games that, you know, I like to play with the guys. Every every Thursday yep. doesn't matter, you know, whoever's the champion got to bring the belt to the table. And it's up for grabs. But, uh, you know, we, we we like to have fun. But, you know, when it's time to lock in, we lock in. And we, yeah. we, we have fun, man. It's, it's a blast. You know, I've loved, you know, every bit of my uh, four years here, like, it's kind of sad that it's coming to an end, but I know there's something better on this on this next journey. Uh, 100% something better for you. And, and of course, it's going to start with this national championship game. But to go back to that game we played, you actually, you played that day. And I got I to gotta give you props, man. You were slinging the thing. Oh, you were slinging the pill. I go, why? Hopefully, uh... <laughs> I made an impression on you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, no, no. Any, any double passes, I'm going to let the coaches know at the next level. Hey, this guy's <laughs> your guy. He, he, he can hit the goal post from 30 yards away. <laughs> and, and one of the guys that was also throwing with this was, was Alex Orgy. So I, got, I have to get this confirmation from you. Last year, I had the, the touchdown call of there's an Orgy in the end zone. No, how, how, do you guys talk about that? Oh. Do, do you guys laugh about it? Oh. What's, the, what's the deal there? Oh, we, we crack a joke all the time, but you, you started <laughs> a trend where, like, now every time, you know, we're in the big house, everyone, like, wants Orgy in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and if he's in, everyone's like, Orgy! You, know, you, so you, you, you started the trend with that, and everyone just, uh, you know, took it up and, and ran with it. But uh, I think, oh, think Orgy loves it now, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> said that, that was that was hilarious it, it blew up everywhere uh, that was great no Blake there's nowhere I can go now that I don't see a Michigan fan that they don't scream in my face pointing and everything orgy in the end zone I'm like yep that's exactly what I said it's listen it's his last name we tried to stay away from it but it was too funny to, uh, to not was, try to, to attack you there. That, one. That, that was good RG3 in the Ones is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. Let's get to the bag, people. It's super simple. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their potential stats, and place your entry. It's that easy. Testing my skills on Prize Picks this football season is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just one tap. And get this Prize Picks offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like taco tuesday each tuesday come on now y'all know y'all love that prize picks discount select player projections up to 25 percent to provide even more value we love a discount don't we all i mean i feel like and tacos so either way it's a win-win prize picks is really simple to play i can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of player and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Let's get into it though. This week on Prize Picks, I'm going to select Mr. C.D. Lamb. I feel like this guy's trying to become a GOAT. Not going to lie to you. He's reached enlightenment when it comes to his routes, and he's going up against a commander's defense that has allowed the most yards versus wide receivers. And then my second one is going to be Kenneth Walker III for the Seattle Seahawks. Why? Well, the Cardinals allow the most rushing yards versus running backs, and it's a must-win game for the Seattle Seahawks. So they're going to give the ball to their best players. Kenneth Walker III just so happens to be one of those guys. So those are my picks. Daily Fantasy Sports is made easy with prize picks, so go to prizepicks.com slash RG3 and use code RG3 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash RG3 and use code RG3 for a first time deposit match of up to $100. Can't beat that deal. Getting back to football, you talk about, you know, there's things that are greater ahead for you, ahead for you in the NFL. 
but how good does it feel? I know you're not satisfied, but how good does it feel to know that you guys are going to be playing in the national championship game? Dude, like it's like <laughs> it's like an unreal feeling just because because of what I went through last year. Right. And what we've gone through this year. I mean, sh- We've been through a lot this year alone, you know what I'm saying, as a team with, you know, everything going on, you know, coach getting suspended six games and this and that, this and that. And uh, we've we've been able to, like, stand through the storm, you know, until we realized, like, hold on, like, we actually are the storm, you know. And so, uh, you know, it it feels good finally getting over the hump is what what I've been saying the last two years. Like, we need to find a way to get, get over the hump, and we did it. You know, so now we just have to finish. And I have to be a man of my word. Like, uh, I was at a wrestling event, I believe, maybe a basketball event uh, last year. It was like February. And uh, I went into Chrysler Arena. And I promised the fans, uh, they gave me the mic. I promised. I was like, we're going to win a natty. And, uh, you know, I, I saw that video the other day, and it gave me, like, a little motivation. Like, okay. I, I told the fans what we were going to do. And so I had to stand on it now and make sure. You know, we prepare our tails off this week, so we come out on top and uh, win, win the natty. No, man, I think uh, when you look at this game in totality, there's so much going on, right? Third time's the charm for you guys uh, in making the college football playoff. Now you have an opportunity to play for a national championship. You got the Pac-12, which with Washington, it's the, it's the last true year of the Pac-12, mm-hmm. at least for as far as we know. And they have a representative in this game, despite the fact that their league is di- dissipating mm-hmm. and they're coming to join you guys in the Big Ten. Yeah. When you look at it that way, how do you compartmentalize this game to not worry about that other stuff and just say, we just got to go play Michigan football on Monday? You know, we're like, this is like tunnel vision. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we set out these you know, strides along the journey, right? So we mark one off, one goal, we mark it off, boom, 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 boom. We marked every goal off. like, And so what we said today is, like, we're the only team that's playing Monday. You know, no, no one else. It's Michigan versus Washington. So, like, what what wouldn't you do this week to make sure when you step on that field Monday and the 60 minutes is up, you can look back and, like, say, I gave it my all and this is the outcome. You know what I'm saying? So we, we can't worry about, you know, this – you know, being the last of the Pac-12 or Washington coming into the Big Ten, like it's going to be a great division uh, next year. I'm, I'm excited. All these teams are coming in because the Big Ten is going to be and Michigan's schedule next year is whew, start off with Texas. You know, but we just got you know focus on now. Um, we just got to get the job done. That's that's where we're at mentally. And uh, so you know, I'm excited uh, to continue this week. Continue to you know watch film and study these guys, and um, it's going to be it's going to be a good one come Monday. No, I mean, I think it's for, for sure going to be a good one. And, and when you look at this game, um, there's going to be people who feel a certain type of way that you guys are even in this game wow. because of the things you mentioned about coach getting suspended and and all of the, I don't want to say rumors, like some stuff was true, but there's just a lot out there yeah. about why he was suspended and and cheating scandals and whatnot. What do you say to that fan that's upset that you guys have an opportunity to play for a national championship? What you going to say now? All right. <laughs> <laughs> what you going to say now? I mean, you go back and say, okay, they, with everything, the science dealing, whatever, whatever you want to call it, right? Boom. Right. All right. After, after that happened, right? People got fired. We played Penn State. We played Ohio State. Played Iowa. 
We played Alabama. What, what, what else do y'all want? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We've proven the point. Like, we're, we're a good team. We don't rely on anything, you know, when it comes to all the stuff that's going on. We, right. We're a good team. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, so we went through a lot of adversity this year, but, you know, to all, everyone that says we shouldn't be the natty or, Right. They, they shouldn't have been allowed to be in the college football playoffs. What are you going to say now? You're just wishing your breath at this point. I agree. I agree. But like, I'm, I'm on your side. I am an ally in this. Uh, despite everything that has happened, I have always felt like you guys didn't have a competitive advantage um, with the whole sign-stealing ordeal because that's something that's been going on for generations. Mm-hmm. And teams always trying to figure out what you're doing uh, and, and what your play calls are and what your hand signals are. Now, your point that you just made, which I think is spot on, you guys have proven over the course of this year that you play the best of the best, you beat the best of the best. People have gotten fired. You guys have moved on. And now you, you've you earned it on the field where you have to earn it every single time. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there should not be any asterisks or any tainting of you guys potentially winning a national championship if that's the way that it goes on Monday. So understand that I'm in, I'm in lockstep with you there. I and I always it. thought that they should never punish you guys, the players, for any of that stuff because you're just innocent bystanders trying to go out and play the game at the highest level. That's it. We're just trying to play ball. I wanted to ask you this question because one of your players uh, after the game on like a cell phone video mentioned – uh, the team's reaction when Alabama was announced as the team that was going to get in in, the, in that fourth spot. Um, and he said that you guys were not worried about Bama. It was more of a reaction to Florida State not getting in. Do you agree with that? And and what was your impression of, of Florida State not getting into the college football uh, playoffs? Well, well, I agree with that 100%. But, you know, media, obviously they were there with us. <laughs> they just take things and run with it and blow it up and make it whatever they want to make it. And then everyone else just starts tagging along. But, uh, you know, we were, we were surprised, like, but I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Like Michigan versus Alabama, it doesn't get better than that. Um, but we, we were a little surprised. Like, hey, Florida State undefeated team. Like, they didn't get in, you know, after they just won their championship. And it's like, uh, but, I mean, I can understand where the committee's coming from a little bit. I'm glad I didn't have to vote on who gets in. You know? <laughs> I'm glad. I am glad we got to play Alabama just because it was like a legendary right. matchup. Um, right. You know, two historical schools team two schools known for for winning right um two schools that have great legendary coaches coach harbaugh and nick saban it it didn't get better than that but the reaction was like oh like damn what's florida state gonna think about this one you know but uh media media took it around and listen i'm a part of that media but i was also shocked that some media members took that and ran with it. I felt like it was the easy thing to say. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're shocked. They don't want to play Bama. Like no, no team, any guy that's ever been in that, in a locker room or in a room like that, will tell you. Listen, we don't care who the team is. Is it? So if you get a reaction out of it, it's more so because there's something else behind that. Not man, we don't want to play them. Right. right. So to your point, I agree. You guys playing Bama. Uh, shut down all the noise because if you guys had played Florida State and Bama didn't get in and you beat Florida State, they would say you wouldn't have beat Bama. I understand that part of it. Obviously, I think Florida State should have gotten in as an undefeated Power 5 Conference champion. They're the first one that has never gotten in. And my question to you would be for you guys, do you think that if JJ got hurt that the committee would have kept you guys out? I don't. I don't think they would have kept you out. 
I don't I don't think so because at the time we were ranked number two, correct? Yep. I believe so. Um but I, I don't I don't think the committee would have would have kept us out just because um and Florida State is too, so you know you never know what could have happened. But we're a well diverse team in terms of running and throwing the ball. And our defense is, like I said, number one in the nation. And so uh I think the committee would have would have kept us in. Um but at the end of the day, you never know. I mean, if they do it to Florida State, so they they could have they could have did the same thing to us. You know, you, you, just, you just you never you never know. But I, I don't I don't think they would have. But right, hey, you never know. I, I also with, with I also college, like I said I I don't think they would have kept you guys out. Um, this shouldn't be now though because it's expanding. Correct, right? Ex- exactly. Okay. It won't be a problem next year. Won't be a problem next year. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're the 13th team. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Before I let you go, man, I, I wanted to ask you two quick questions. One was uh, at Michigan, you guys don't bring in a ton of transfers. Um, I've, I've talked to coach about that. Like you guys have, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. But when you're a player like yourself, who's been there and, and, and bled and sweat and worked hard with all the guys that have been there three to four years, how, how have you tried to, get those new guys to buy in quickly so that you can trust them on fourth and five mm-hmm. in overtime in the biggest game of your season? Yeah, so I, I believe when we go to the transfer portal, we try to find guys that will fit the definition of being a Michigan man. You know, someone gotcha. that doesn't come in with a big head and think they're like the stuff, but instead is wants to buy into the program, buy into, you know, the way we work and the way we do things. And every transfer that we've gotten has done that, you know, Drake Nugent, you know, has done a phenomenal job at center. One of the hardest workers I've seen. He came in and got right to work. Um, Josiah Stewart, great player, you know, coming off the edge. And so, and, and, there, and there's others, A.J. Barner, he's been a great addition. But all these guys come in and just want to work. You know, they don't want any anything given to them. They know they have to work for what, they, what they're going to have to do, and they're fine with that. They're, they're just transferring for a better opportunity for themselves. Um, but they don't want no handouts. They they want to show you that like I'm here to put in work. I don't I don't want anything. Um, just give me an opportunity. And uh, they, it's been great. We, we we have great transfers, and we also do a great job at um, making sure we develop players as well. So it, it's, it's it's been phenomenal, man. No, that's that's awesome to hear. I know that's just an interesting dynamic with everything that's happening and changing in college football right now. Um, but when you when it's all said and done, right? I call you Blake McThickham's quorum and we having a good time and you're doing your thing on the football field. But who is the one that you have like truly molded your game after when it comes to playing the running back spot? And there's a lot, but I wore his jersey the other day, so I got to say his name. I'm Barry Sanders. Um, that's who I watched the most. I mean, just how elusive he was, how, you know, he can make turn nothing and turn it into something. Uh, in my opinion, the greatest running back ever. And then you go to the mindset. I try to have the mindset of beast mode, Marshawn Lynch, you know, just run through a, run through a mud, you know what I'm saying, face. <laughs> I know what you mean, run through a mud yeah, face, yeah. yeah. Yeah, over and over again. So I, I try to have that mindset <laughs> with the Barry Sanders elusiveness and then, you know, with my own little own little uh, you know, taste to it a little bit. But, uh, you know, that's that, those are the two I like to watch the most, is beast mode. And then Barry Sanders, and uh, I just try to, you know, grab a little from over there, grab a little from there, and just turn it into my own thing. You know what I'm saying? But 
two two great running backs. Nah, man, it's it's fascinating talking to you. I love talking to you, and, and those two are are great ones to watch, right? But when you take that mindset of elusiveness, playmaking ability, and and physicality that Beast Mode brought to the game, and now you have to go off the field and impact the community in the way that you have. I mean, I just read that you collected over 20,000 toys for Detroit kids this Christmas. Yeah. Like, how do you turn that off, turn that side of Blake Corm off so that when you're off the field, you can be the giving one who lets people know that they're not forgotten about? Yeah, you know, uh, it's a, I guess there's a time and place for that, right? So when I, when I step right. on the field or when I step in the weight room, you know, I'm turning everything on, you know, the beast mode, the pre-workout, you know, you name it. I'm, I'm turning I'm turning everything on. It, it's going, <laughs> you know. Outside of here, I like I like meeting new people. I like talking to everyone. Um, I try lift, uplifting people whenever I can, and just making a difference in a in a crazy world that we live in. Um, because sometimes it only takes you know one person to do something, and then others follow. So I believe what I'm trying to do is use my platform, to make sure it's not only benefiting you know myself and my future family and, and things like that, but it's making this world a better place. And uh, so that's what I strive to do, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. But uh, it's, it's not hard to turn it off, you know. I'm, I'm a I'm a good uh, human being. Uh, I'm just, right, you are. You I are. I like being, uh, you know, when it's, when I'm on the field, I like turning turning certain things on, and then when I'm off, I like kicking back and just enjoying my time with uh, with everyone. No, I know those kids are really thankful uh, for you doing that for them. And before you bounce, if I if if we're in the post game presser. And Michigan has now won the national championship. Can you tell me why Michigan won the national championship? Yeah, all right. So we're, we'll just speak it into existence. We're in the presser, you know, after the game. And the reason I will tell you why Michigan won the national championship is because when, when people were against us, when people were trying to knock us down, we stood on all 10 and punched back. And uh, that's the only that's the only reason we won is because we didn't let people when they thought we were going to fold. We just stood tall. We didn't we didn't care what anyone else had to stay. We knew we had our brothers back. We knew we had a goal and a mission to accomplish. And, and we did that. And uh, then I'll finish with this. I would, I would say uh, when I came back, I said we had uh, unfinished business. The business is finished. Mike. Trump. <laughs> you know, what I'm that's, that's what I would say. That's what you would say. Hey, I, I, I ain't gonna lie. I felt that. I got the goosebumps already. <laughs> hey, man. We appreciate you coming on the show, having a good talk, and we're definitely gonna do this again. And uh, I look forward to watching you go out there and do your thing in the national championship game and into the NFL beyond that, man. Appreciate you. I nah, appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. All right, people, and now we have a special bonus conversation with the one who has had a really standout season. I mean, he's breaking records. He's the first Rams running back with more than 15 touchdowns in a season since Todd Gurley. And he's an NFL Pro Bowler. I'm talking about the one and the only Kyron Williams. Welcome to the show, my brother. How you doing, man? Appreciate you for having me, dog. Hey, man, doing great. And I'm glad that you hopped on yeah. and you are now a Pro Bowl running back. How does that feel, man? How's that feel? It's crazy. You know, it's a blessing for sure because, you know, that's something like I don't go into this football, like just things, just thinking about doing like I, I'm going to be a Pro Bowler this year. It was never that. But, you know, my work, it paid off. Um, so I'm only just excited and blessed for this opportunity that I have. But, you know, not being satisfied, that's the biggest thing. 
you've rushed for 1,444 yards and, and, and 12, or let me say that, 1,144 yeah, yards and 12 touchdowns. I was like, man, I'd get this man 300 extra yards. <laughs> hey, <I ain't laughs> you better go run him this week. How about I ain't mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at what your mom did, yeah. I believe you scored a touchdown recently and, and, and gave her the game ball, and there was a fan trying to, a Giants fan trying to take it away from her, yeah. and she hit that man with the dip and rip. <sighs> like, did she teach you? Your skills at running back with ball security, or did you teach her that? Um, she didn't. She never personally t- taught me that or anything. But you could tell it's in our blood. You know, this is something oh. that we know what to do. Um, we gonna get that ball back, whether you know we're on offense or defense, it don't matter. But you know, my mom, she showed a great example of you know, great technique of how to dip and rip and get the ball away from the running back. <laughs> no, she definitely did. I thought it was hilarious and phenomenal. Like she won't play no games. She was no games at all. She wasn't at all. And you know, she did her thing. She probably didn't realize what she was doing at the time, but she, you know, she did her thing and, you know, crazy. She got in a team meeting this morning. Everybody's laughing at her. Everybody's like, Oh, you ain't playing with your mom. So it's like, yeah, we're not the ones to mess with. Oh, not the ones to mess with at all. That was phenomenal to see that. And it's really been great to see you. Um, Cause I did cover you in college. Mm-hmm. I never got to call a Notre Dame game, but I always knew how dynamic of a player that you were. Right. So when you come into the NFL draft, like, that whole process and, and seeing the guys that got picked before you, is that something that you took personally? Oh, yeah. Like, do you oh, yeah. know the names of all the running backs that were drafted before you? Or no. how did you approach that? Um, I know there's 14 backs that went in front of me. I don't know every single name, but I just know um, the teams that, you know, I know the teams that, like, I would say play with me, you know, that, that would text me okay. on the day like, oh, yeah, we like you here at this spot. But that spot came and they were nowhere to be seen. Like, so it's like it was like them type <sighs> of feelings. Like, I took everything personal, like. The 14 guys that are in front of me, like, I know they're not doing what I'm doing now. So it's just like, it's going to always, I always knew I was going to catch up to them. It's just a matter of time. And like, you know, um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not really focused on what they got going, but I'm just knowing, right. like, if you know, if I set, like, I just proved to myself that if I set the mindset right, you know, I put my head down and work that it's all going to, you know, come to me and it's all going to just come to situation. So it wasn't anything but me just going to work, you know, just being blessed enough to, you know, being able to get picked by the Rams in the fifth round and knowing that I had a, I had a shot and I had a, you know, my dream was coming true. So I was going to run with it. And like I said, I knew what I was as a player. So it was just a matter of, you know, getting on a team to be able to show the world. Yeah. And not allowing that draft position to kind of determine how you felt about yourself right. as a player has always been a huge thing. I tell people all the time, like there's so many talented players that go into the draft. Uh, and a lot of times the draft can almost become just like a popularity contest, right. like who's the tallest, who's the fastest, who can jump the farthest. Yeah. But there's great football players in that. And I, I wanted to know if you don't mind sharing who were a couple of those teams that were playing with you emotionally on, <laughs> on draft day. Yeah. Uh, so the Ravens, you know, were a team. Um, no. Yeah. But it is what it is. The Ravens, the Giants, um, what are the teams, uh, the, the Chiefs, just like it was just Man. multiple teams where it's like. All right, like yeah, you you didn't have to reach out to me to let me know if you weren't gonna do that, you know. It was, just let <laughs> me find you. out my I'm own way, you. you know. So, um, right. but no, I'm I'm right where I need to be, you know. I'm not complaining. I'm blessed as ever. Um, but I'm in the right position with the right coaches, the right organization, and the right teammates. You know, There's, I wouldn't want it anywhere else. No, nah, I mean, I I could tell you a quick story about an experience that I had, not yeah. with the draft, but with the Cleveland Browns. So I was in Cleveland for like six months. Let's just be real. I, yeah. It was a year, but it was like six months, and. We get into the offseason. I get a call from the head coach, Hugh Jackson. He tells me, hey, we're going to bring you back next year. I was on a two-year deal, so mm-hmm. it was more of a you know formality. We're going right. to bring you back next year, yeah, let yeah. you go out and do your thing. I got hurt the previous year, so it was like, okay. The next day, 
they trade for Brock Osweiler. He calls me back. He says, hey, this is nothing. We're still rocking with you. Yeah. You're our guy. We're going we're gonna to bring Brock in here, probably try to unload his contract, trade him away, whatever. I'm like, okay, I got you, coach. Not 24 hours later, I got a, a call from the GM, Sashi Brown, telling me that they were releasing me. Hey, and I'm man, like, it's a crazy I'm like, world. bro, I already expected to get released. Right. The least you could have done was not tell me that you were going to cut, you know, keep me to make me think I got a chance. Mm-hmm. And then I get cut. Like it, the NFL is such a, it's not the most honest business it's in not, the world. If you know it, what I'm it saying. It is not at all. And I, I never personally experienced that, but I've seen experiences and I, I'm the type of person, I'm, a, I'm an observer person. Like I'm going to sit back and I'm going to read the room before I say a word. Like I'm going to know exactly what I got to say when I need to say it, you, you know, so. Um, just learn seeing those experiences and seeing the things that happened to like former teammates of mine. Um, just being in the league, it just it set me straight. Like it set me like you know what I'm gonna walk that straight line. I'm gonna do what I gotta do. Um, and not get too caught up in what stuff I can't control. You know, I'm not really worried about the decisions they make up. You know, up in the front offices, I'm just controlled about what I do every single day, and that's come to work. And so that's that was my mentality since I got into this to this building was you know I'm gonna be the hardest worker there is and. And it ain't, ain't filled me yet. Yeah, and you and you and you're fulfilling that for sure. And, yeah. And the only part of the story that I left out was they actually didn't call me and tell me that I was cut. I saw it on Twitter. Oh so, man, I know, I know, oh. I know, I know, bro, I know. Oh man, I saw it on Twitter, and it's then like, they called dang. me like six six hours later and told me that they were cutting oh. me, and I'm like, damn, like. I thought I had done at least enough to yeah, come in and, get some, and deserve some little respect, some dignity. Some respect, come on, something. Yeah, I feel you, man. But to your point, all you can focus on and control in the NFL is is how you prepare and how you go out and execute. Right. And for you, your rookie year, you go out, you play in ten games, but you got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe you broke your foot and you sprained your ankle. Yeah. So when you go from that part of it and you're in like that quote unquote valley experience. Mm-hmm. How did you get out of that to be doing what you're doing this year? Yeah. So just, I'm going to keep a long story short. So when I first got here after the draft, I broke my foot. This was like the first week of OTAs, yep. um, just running the outside zone, make a cut, broke my foot, boom, had surgery. Now I'm out six weeks. This is, I'm out for most of the mini camp, uh, most yep. of preseason. I came back for a little bit of training camp against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals when we practiced against them. So I had, I had a little experience under my belt. And so I feel, I'm feeling good going into week one. You know, week one, I'm healthy. Um, they're, they're telling me I'm, I'm, I'm gonna see some live reps, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in the, I'm gonna see some live bullets. And so I'm ready, you know, do what I got to do. And so we get to the game, fast forward to the game. It's the first week of the season against the, uh, we're opening up against the bills and it's the first play. I'm telling you the first play of the game kickoff. Um, well, we're on kickoff return. The, the bills are kicking it to us. I'm going to block my guy and somebody falls into my ankle behind me. So my ankle goes like this deltoid, high ankle, tightrope, surgery, all of that. So that pushes me back. That pushes me back another eight weeks. So this is probably eight, nine, ten games that I didn't miss. And so I'm as soon as I get soon as I come back, I'm getting I'm getting thrown in the fire. Boom. Like and I don't even feel like myself. You know, like right. I don't feel as if I'm like I feel good enough to play, but I don't feel like I'm me, you know. And so during that yeah. time of when I wasn't playing and I had to deal with those injuries, it was really just a make it or a break it situation. You know, I wasn't going to let this situation, you know, make me. Cause like, I've never had surgeries before. This is my first two surgeries were in the NFL. And so like, this is me, I'm in outfield with no lights on and they just hit a fly. They just hit a fly ball. Like, I can't see nothing. This, that, that, that's the type of position I felt like I was in, but like I was swinging in the dark, like, you know? And so it was on, it was on me. Like I had to dig down deep. I had to find out, if this is what I really want to do, if I say that the NFL is my dream, then what am I going to make of this situation that I'm in right now? 
And that was a, the, the, the toughest, but the, the best decision I ever made. And it was the best situation I ever been in too. Cause you know, like when you're down bad and you can pick yourself up and you feel yourself come back up to 10 toes and you know that you did it all off the strength of your own, your own pain and the, just the passion that you want for it. It all, it makes it all sweet. And so like the feeling that I had going through those rehabs is, is getting, is getting displayed every game now. Like you see the, you see the joy, you see the love, you see me talking a little cash. If I got to talk some cash to somebody, like I'm having fun playing this game because of the stuff that I went through my rookie year. And so like, I tell everybody like, yeah, this may seem like it was a hard situation, but that was probably the best situation God could have put me in early on in my career. No, it's, it's amazing to hear you talk about that. And you say long story short, and you boiled that down really great. But the things that we go through in our lives, especially as players, because sometimes we're not viewed as human beings. Uh, yeah, human right? beings, we're, we're right, viewed right. As, human play, as, yes. as just players or just a stat or just this. Really, yeah. To have to go through all that. And now you got your first two career uh, touchdowns in a season against the Seahawks beginning of the year. And you're yeah. averaging the most yards per game for any running back in the Sean McVay era there in L.A. Now, I had Sean, he was a tight end coach my first year in the league and my offensive coordinator my third year in the league. So talk about how he has helped you in the way that you see the game, how he's given you constant feedback and motivation yeah. that when you were going through that Valley experience. Just how instrumental has he been to your success? I feel like the biggest thing that Coach McVay has done for me as a player is know who I am. Like he invested time to see how I react to things when I make a mistake or how I react to when things are good. But mostly like when I first got into the league is because I'm so hard, like I'm so hard on myself. I'm a perfectionist that when, when something didn't go wrong, I thought that was the end of the world. Like I thought that I was going to get cut if I would have missed a pass, a pass pro or if I would have missed a hole on a run. Like I thought that it was just the end for end of all beings for me. And so like he realized that early on in my career and a little, mostly like during this OTAs uh, process this year, he really realized it like, he said, don't, don't get, don't be so hard on yourself. Like everybody makes mistakes. That's why each play is, is his own entity. And so like him saying that and him realizing like, oh, I, I do get mad at myself that him, like him being able to realize that and see that and like me not knowing that like, oh, it shows. And so like that really helped me to like, just be able to breathe and like, it's okay to make a mistake. And now I see, I see mistakes real life as learning opportunities. Like I, that's, he allowed me to switch my focus to that's how I see mistakes now is a learning op. And so now if I make a mistake, I'm glad I made a mistake. Now I get to learn from it. And now I get to, if it ever happens again, I get to feel as if, oh, I'm better than what I was that last time that I seen this look, you know? And so like just that little thing, like, cause no ever, no other coach has ever done that for me because like, I've always been like that. No matter what sport I play, baseball, football, it don't matter. I've always been that type of perfectionist attitude and always would beat myself up when things would go wrong. So, you know, him being able to see that as me, see that on me as a person, you know, helped me a lot. No, that's awesome. And I tell people this all the time now in coaching today, it's not like it was back in the day mm -hmm. with the Patriot way and, and different things like you have to get to know your player better so that when it comes nut cutting time and you have to coach them hard, yep. they know you're coming from the right place. Right. If you're not coming from the right place, the player will never respond to that coaching and, and they'll just say, oh, well, I just got to get another one. He's not very good. It's like, no, that's not the case, man. It's not that you can't get through to him coaching. It's that right. he doesn't believe that you have his best interest at heart. Right. And because of that, he's going to naturally get defensive uh -huh. instead of being open and understanding this guy's got my back. If I do what he asked me to do and he's helping me get better, I can become the best version of myself. A thousand percent. And like, that's something I also feel like 
a lot of people coming from college and NFL need to like realize like once you do come into this this area or this space of the NFL, like these coaches, you don't know it all. Like imagine <laughs> as much as you want to think that you know it all, this game is right. totally different from what it was in college. And so like true. like my coach called says it the best, have a humble heart. You know, be be ready to be coachable and be ready to like to think that the things that you know are wrong. <laughs> right. Like basically like that. So now definitely what you say is, is huge and you know, whoever is listening out there coming to the NFL, like take that and run with it because yep. you gotta you have to be able to learn and be able to be a listener and apply it. So being able to learn and apply that listening from the running back spot certainly helps with the relationship between the running back and the quarterback. Yeah. Talk to us about the first time meeting Matthew Stafford for you and just how y'all's relationship has blossomed. Uh, it's, it's definitely blossomed because when I first met him, like I said, <laughs> when I first met him, I've always been a football junkie. Like I love the game of football. And so when I first met him, my eyes were like this. Like I was like, oh my God, that's Matthew Stafford. <laughs> like yep, that's just yep. something like as I used to watch, watch him as a little kid. But like that's when I had to realize like, Nah, man, it's your teammate now. So, like, get off that starstruck stuff. Like, that that's dead now. Like, you have to go to work with him. And so, like, I've definitely felt like it's blossomed because, like, I can go with the Matthew. I feel like I go with Matthew and, and talk to him just on a regular basis, just asking questions or, like, even on the field. Like, it's so great having it. Like, I take it for granted sometimes. That's why I mean, it's the only quarterback I've had in the NFL, but I take it for granted that right. he's out there because it's like he's have it's like a coach out there. Like, he'll be reading the protect. He'll be this, this. All right, you going over there if this guy comes. Like, he'll tell me that right away or, like, Oh, if you if it's a scat it's a scat protection and this this DM might drop, so don't let him hug rush you. Like he'll tell me that before the pre-snap, like the keys that he sees. So um just being able to just be able to also communicate with each other is, is great and you know, it's definitely like it's been fun playing with him for sure. Yeah, he's he's an incredible player. Um one of the most special arms I've ever seen yeah. in all the tape that I've ever had a chance to watch and uh, just a phenomenal player. So when you look at this from a standpoint of it was just Christmas, just a new year, I heard that uh, Stafford got the entire offensive line cold plunges for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, what did you get him? Ah. <laughs> See, I'm still on my rookie deal. But I'm but, with you. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. No See, shame. No shame. I'm a, no fifth, shame. I'm a fifth round back. I'm still trying to get mine, you know. But I'm I tell you. When, whenever it's time, I, I got some – I'm going to plan on something special for the offensive lineman after the season for sure because, like, I definitely want them to feel as if – you know, they know that on the field, but I also want to be able to just, like, I love y'all boys, man. Like, like <laughs> thank you for real. Like, you need to help me for real. So There you go. No, yeah, I definitely want to, you know, plan some, give them a little some gifts just after the season, you know, something. We'll see. I, I got an idea for you. What you got? So you go into the Pro Bowl, uh-huh. right? Now, it's not in Hawaii like it used to be. Right. So, sorry. But it's in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Fly them all down. With the with the families, take them to Disney, do something yeah. like that. I, I, I if you need some help, I'll help you out. I just so happen to work for a company called Disney, uh, ESPN. But I think that'd be a good a good gesture well, to the family. I'm gonna get your number, then I'll definitely you know tap in. Yes, I got you, dog. So. I got you. So talking about great stories, you've been a phenomenal story. You guys are, uh, I mean, really closing the season extremely strong. And another big reason uh, for that on offense is Puka Nakua. One seven. What's the what's your best? Puka Nakua story just from the, the time you've met him and, and throughout this whole season? Ah, ah, there's so many stories, you know, like, <laughs> first of all, Puka thinks he's a hooper. Like he, he thinks, he thinks he's a, he's a, he's a real oh, life hooper. And I, I got to okay. see this. I, I feel like he's just a big body that he's going to try to bully ball you. I really feel like that's what he's going to do. But um, <laughs> nah, <laughs> hopefully he sees that we get one one going on into the season, whatever. But, what I think I like most about Puka, I'm not even going to say a story because I really don't got a, just a story off rip. But what I think I like most about Puka, what I know I like most about Puka is like 
the mood and like what he gets in before the games, like where he goes to before the games, like you can tell that he's real life locked in. Like I'm the I'm not the complete opposite. I'm locked in, but I'm gonna show you that I'm having fun. And so like right. Puka make a play. I'm like, yeah, Puka, yeah, Puka. This Puka. <laughs> this Puka. I'm like, all right. I'm like, all right, Ben. I'm gonna leave you alone then. You know, you feel me? So it's like, I know he's always on 10. Like, he's always on go. And that's what I love most about him because, like, I feel like I'm the same way. Like, when I said this on, I said this on, after the Saints game, we're both dogs. Like, we really are dogs. And we, you know, when, when it's time to, when it's time to go, when the whistle blows, we both know how to turn right. on. So that's what I, I love most about him because I, I can relate and I can see like how much love how much love he has for this game. No, that's awesome, man. And Puka, I covered him in college as well. Uh, I knew he could run. I knew he was a dynamic wide receiver, and I think he caught a lot of people off guard yeah. just based off of of what he's been able to accomplish right. this year. But him being able to step in like he did for Cooper Cup when Cup wasn't available has really just shot him to the forefront to the point where. Man, I'm not gonna lie to you. Of the year, dang near I mean, I, it's, of the year. it's tough to say because for the longest you thought it was CJ, mm. and I love CJ Stroud and what he's been able to do. You gonna say uh, that because you're a quarterback? But but I'm looking at Puka's numbers and I'm like, bro, I don't know. If I've ever you, seen it. How can you say you can't? How can you say he's not? That's what I want to know. I I don't know if I've ever seen any numbers like this mm-hmm. from a rookie wide receiver. Like Puka is going off, Literally. and and I know he started at Washington and went to BYU. So I like to say this little phrase of you know uh, he got that dog in him and <laughs> and he on a mission. You know what I'm saying? Like I like I like to to have those yeah, little yeah, things yeah. that I say about him. But it's just been cool to see, and, and it's awesome to hear you tell that story uh, about him in that manner. Yeah. When you look at um the way the season went for you guys and you guys had a losing streak there in the middle of the year and it was tough. And I, and I look at the Eagles with AJ Brown and the things that they have going on, like sometimes fractures in the locker room can happen. How did you guys prevent that from happening and get back on track to where you guys are now? I think it's just a part of like the belief. Like we, we knew as a team, like we know as a team that we're good, you know, and sometimes, you know, you, you run into those humps, those speed bumps to where it kind of sets you back. But you always, we always had that, that, uh, Rear view, the front, the windshield, the windshield mirror mentality. You know, we're always looking at the front and not the back. And so, right. like, I felt like that was the case. You know, when we did go um, in those in those little slumps, we lost those uh, two straight or three straight games. Um, but we stay connected. You know, that's the biggest thing that you know Coach McVay harped on was staying connected and being a jail team. And you know, that's I think I think that's what we do best, best than you know what other teams um, that I've seen play do because you know. We're all in for each other, and like we we get excited when you know somebody makes a play or when something good goes for us. And so, um, just being able to feed off each other and, st- and like staying, like I said, um, connected. I feel like that's what got us through those you know those uh, first three losses, and you know, and then I haven't seen one yet since the Ravens. Yeah. No, so before I let you bounce, man, I got to ask you this question. You know, Christian McCaffrey, MVP candidate. If he was able to win the MVP, like. What would that do for running backs? And do you think that the MVP should not, or should it just be a QB award or should they open it up to other positions? No, I think, first of all, I think the MVP should be anybody that actually brings value to a team or bring value to whatever conference or whatever division that they're in. You know, I feel like it should just be a quarterback thing. Uh, It could be an offensive lineman if that's the case. If your quarterback ain't got touched all year, that's the offensive lineman got to be a part of that reason. So I think it should definitely be opened up. But uh, as for Chris McCaffrey, you know, if he – I really feel like if he wins that, it's going to open up a lot thing, a lot of more opportunities for running backs. And it, it, we might get that image that, you know, people look at us, they might get thrown out the door finally because running backs do bring a whole lot of 
um, importance to an offense. You know, like thank you. Like I don't know how you can say you don't need a running. Like you, you, you wouldn't need a running. But how? I don't get. I don't because if you can't establish the run, how are you going to throw the ball? I'm with you. I'm with you. And every offense is predicated off a of play action pass Literally. and RPOs. Like yep. we're not running these because the quarterback's running. No, nope. we're running them because the running backs. Running. Right. And so I hope McCaffrey do get it just for the running backs. But <laughs> next year, <laughs> yeah, I hope we do get it because then that's gonna then it's gonna make a bigger chance for me to get it. So yeah. Well. I want to say appreciate you for coming on the show, man. And I know that you only need 316 yards to take the rushing title. Yes. So hopefully they give you the football 35 times <laughs> and a lot of you go out there, hit a couple 80 yarders. You'll be good. Yeah, yeah, that's all I need. A couple of explosives and, you know, and let, it all fall, let it all fall in place. You'll be all there, man. So yes. I appreciate the conversation. Appreciate you dropping some game sure. on everybody and uh, go finish the season strong. And, and hopefully we'll see you guys doing no your option. thing big time on that in the, in the playoff run that you have. Appreciate you, man. All right, people, we got a segment here called Three's Keys. These are three things that really just came to mind during this week. Number one, we got the national championship game coming up between Michigan and Washington. And I know everyone's super excited and they can't wait to get to Houston for the game. But what you need to pay attention to is the matchup at wide receiver for Washington and DB for Michigan. Michigan has Will Johnson and Mike Sainer still, two of the best corners in the country. Very versatile players who can play inside and outside. Well, Washington has a receiver by the name of Roma Dunze who rivaled the numbers of Marvin Harrison Jr. this year. And by rivaled them, I mean he beat them. He is one of the best receivers in the country, if not the best. And I know Malik neighbors from LSU might have something to say about that. But that's not the only thing that Washington has. They also have a receiver by the name of Jalen Polk, a receiver by the name of Jalen McMillan, and another one by the name of Jeremy Bernard. And it's why I believe Washington has the best receiving core in the nation, and it's not even close. So for Michigan to come out on top, they're obviously going to have to slow down that passing attack but is their third, fourth, and fifth corner good enough to cover Washington's third, fourth, and fifth wide receiver? That is a matchup you guys need to pay attention to for the entirety of the game because if Michigan's going to win, they're going to have to find a way to slow down Washington's high-powered offense. The second thing that I have is this award right here, if you can see it. It is the 2023 Salute to Excellence Award for Television, Network, and Sports for Monday Night Countdown's Black Quarterback Roundtable given to me and everyone on our crew from the National Association of Black Journalists. Can't tell you how proud I am to be the recipient of an award like this, not only for myself, but also for our entire crew, the amount of work they put in to make that roundtable happen. Obviously, last year with Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts and the Eagles and Chiefs facing off in the Super Bowl, that was the first time two black quarterbacks faced off against each other in the Super Bowl. And earlier in that season, I had an opportunity to sit down with Jalen Hurts, Michael Vick, Donovan McNabb to have a conversation about the quarterback position and the development it has had throughout Philadelphia over the years. So very excited about that award. Want to say a shout out to everybody on the crew that worked on that bad boy. You did your thing. And now we have an award to show for it. And the third thing for me is just whether or not Lamar Jackson should play this week. It's been announced that John Harbaugh says he's not going to play. And here's why I think he should. In 2019, I was on that team that went 14 and two for the Baltimore Ravens. We sat out Lamar the last game of the year. I got a chance to start. Not mad about that. We did win the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but then when we were off, they were off that final week of the season. They were also off the wild card week because they had home field advantage and, and won the one seed. Well, when we got to the divisional round, 
We played against the Tennessee Titans and we got our asses kicked. And the reason we got our butts whipped, I believe, is because the offensive passing game was completely out of sync. There were six drops in that game. Although Lamar threw for 365 yards and ran for another 143, we were never in the game. We lost 28 to 12. So I say all that to say, I know this 2023 Ravens team is not the same as that 2019 team. It has way more depth. It has a much better and accomplished defense. It has a quarterback that is playing out of his mind and weapons around him that gives them not only the Jimmys and the Joes, but also the X's and the O's from Todd Munkin and their quarterback coach, T. Martin. So I understand all those things, but I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. And I would hope that they would at least think about playing Lamar Jackson for a half so that they don't give their entire team and the majority of their starters two weeks off before they go into this Super Bowl stretch. This is the year for the Baltimore Ravens to win the Super Bowl, not just because everyone else seems to be vulnerable and down a little bit, but because this is the best team they've had since Lamar Jackson has been at the helm and they're playing the best. I want to see them continue to do that. And I'm afraid that if they sit Lamar like they plan to do, it could mess up their timing going towards the playoffs. All right, people, that's a wrap for episode 16 of RG3 and the Ones. Want to say thank you to Blake Corm and Kyron Williams for coming on the show and dropping all the knowledge that they did on us. We enjoy those great conversations. And I know you enjoy them as well. So make sure you like and subscribe to our YouTube channel at RG3 and the Ones. Again, make sure you like and subscribe so we can continue to bring you these great stories and have these great conversations. Also, remember that you can listen and subscribe or wherever you get your podcasts. Go find us there at RG3 and the Ones and certainly follow us on social media at RG3 and the Ones so we can drop those clips on you every single day to get you excited for the new episodes they're going to drop on Thursdays. Once again, RG3 and the Ones is a Wave Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Picks. And I want to say shout out to my producers and Whispering Oaks Productions, not just for dealing with me every single day, but also doing their job to the best of their ability to bring you the product that we deliver. So again, follow us on social media, guys. We can't wait to see you next week. But before I let you go, got to leave you with a little bit of inspiration. So I want you guys all to know that no matter what you're going through, understand that you are not alone. Make sure you talk to somebody about the struggles that you are going through, because although it might seem like it makes you really vulnerable, it's in that vulnerability. How did I say that wrong? It's in that vulnerability that you find your strength. So until we see you guys next time, peace out. <laughs>